This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So it's a good time to get some more advice from Benjamin Graham, the father of value investing. He's also the mentor and former boss of Warren Buffett. So he's the guy. And remember, he wrote the original Intelligent Investor the book in 1949, and then it was revised up until around his death in 1976. But then in 2003, they resurrected it again um, with an update, a new commentary by Jason Zwig, and we've been talking about it, what's in that book, whether or not you should read it, and of course you should, and now I've resumed reading it again. I went on my vacation and I checked out a few more chapters in it. And so today, um, you know, we're going to cover some more of his advice because it's still pertinent to what's going on in our stock market. It seems kind of like hard to believe, actually. And I know I mentioned this in the past, but while they tried to update it with Jason's like uh, additions to each chapter to give like modern analysis on what he says, even if you didn't have that, you still can figure out what he's saying. <laughs> you can still be like, oh, yeah, this is like XYZ today. I mean, it's nice that they provided the update, too, which I'm assuming they're probably going to have to update once again in a couple of more years. But it's um, not totally necessary. And that's amazing because really investing hasn't changed The companies themselves have changed, and some have changed quite a bit. There's whole new industries that didn't exist when Benjamin Graham was writing and then updating the book, but really how you go about evaluating a company and whether or not you should own that company is essentially the same. And we're doing the same thing he was doing. We're trying to find the best businesses at a cheap price. So um, everything in the book is still relevant and um, interesting. So for this week's episode, I wanted to talk about a couple of concepts that he lays out on basically how to find the undervalued companies and what you should kind of be looking for. So he recommends like three different areas you can look for for opportunities, let's let's just say. And the first one is the, he calls it the relatively unpopular large company. And basically, um, there's always been a time when certain large cap companies have been unpopular on Wall Street. Now, there's also times when the small caps are also out of favor. And um, we've talked about those many times on the podcast too. But Those, because not as many analysts cover them, when the earnings start to turn around or the story gets better, they're still kind of ignored a lot of times by the street. Of course, that does create a buying opportunity for those of us who can manage to find those small caps that everyone is still ignoring, even though the story is good. But with the big caps, a lot more people notice because there's a lot more analyst coverage and people listening in on the conference calls and all of that kind of stuff. So when those start to turn around, um, it's easier to see and the share price normally follows kind of quickly. It may not follow as much with the small caps. You might be like, what is wrong with Wall Street? Like, this is a good company and these good things are happening and they're growing earnings by this much and sales by that much, but it still gets ignored. That's when you really have to have the patience to be a value investor. 
But with the large caps, usually when the turnaround starts to happen, you see it pretty quickly in the share price. So that makes it a little bit easier for those of us who are investing to to look for these unpopular large cap companies. Um, He also cites an example Basically, what I would call the dogs of the Dow theory. He doesn't call it that. But as I was reading his example, I'm like, "Eh, isn't this basically like dogs of the Dow, where you take the worst performers from the Dow Jones from the prior year and then you buy those? So that's basically people every year in December start putting out the lists of what was the worst performers of that year. So because the theory goes is, You know, what's bad one year usually means turnaround is coming. So those stocks usually perform better the following year after the underperformance. So um, he likes that kind of method, but uh, he said to also beware that some companies have like widely varied earnings, which I would allude to being basically like cyclical type companies. And a good example of that is the energy shares Um, You could see it in the semiconductors. That's two big areas. But he talks about how in good years, um, they will, the price of the stock will be high and it'll have a low PE. So that means like something good is going on at these cyclical type companies. In the bad years, then it'll have a low price, but a high PE. So he wants to warn everybody to keep that in mind if you're just looking at PEs, for example, and you might get into something that isn't as much of a deal as you think it is just by by going off of only, uh, you know, earnings and where that's going. Okay, then he also encourages people looking for opportunity to look for, and he calls it the purchase of bargain issues. And this is kind of what you would expect, companies worth considerably more than what they are selling for. Then he gives a couple of different methods for finding those. And I didn't find these to be very helpful, actually. (laughs) So one was by appraisal, he says, the first method. The second method is to value the business to a private owner. So we're just going to skip over kind of how he's valuing all that, because then he goes on to talk about what establishes a bargain condition. And I thought this was much more relevant to what we would be looking for. And the first thing is that it's currently disappointing on its results. So it reports earnings and it wasn't what everybody thought. Of course, the stock's going to get beat down and, you know, the street's going to be like, meh, no, reject this. But that could create a bargain. And then the second uh, key thing that could create a bargain condition is, and this is what he says, protracted neglect or unpopularity. (laughs) I kind of like those terms, right? Protracted neglect. Basically, they've been ignored for quite some time. And we all know stocks that are in that category, the ignored or unpopular category. We've talked about them many times on the show. And I'm going to have some of them in the screen that I'm going to do based on some of his advice here um, in a little bit. But yes, we know we know what those are, but we also know the disappointing results. Now, he does go on to say that uh, there's a warning with the disappointing results because it might not 
a company might not just disappoint for one quarter. It might be quarter after quarter after quarter, right? And then that might not be such a bargain and it might not be a company that you really want to own if that's what it's doing. So he advises that investors look at the company's complete track record. And I kind of use this method when I'm tweeting out during earnings season. For those of you who follow me on either StockTwits or Twitter, you know that I tweet out those crazy charts all during earnings season. And it's the one with the green and red arrows on it. And those are the earnings misses or beats that we have here on Zex.com. You can find them on our site. But I like to tweet those out because it kind of gives the a track record a company has of at least meeting or beating, or you can see where they have missed on the earnings side of things. Now, it doesn't tell you anything about whether or not they're raising guidance or cutting guidance or what's happening with the revenue side, but you can find out at least a decent amount about a company based on its earnings track record. It's not easy to meet or beat every quarter, and those charts are for five years. There are some companies that have done it for every quarter for the last five years, but even to do it for like two or three years consistently does tell you something about the management and what's going on there. So I like to tweet out those charts and it's like one key to the puzzle that uh, any investor, not just value investors can look at to see what their company track record is. And especially if you get one of those charts where it's red, red, red arrows all the way, you know, the last couple of quarters or even the last couple of years, there are some companies that, you know, haven't beaten like several years. Then that is also telling you the negative side of the story. So if you're looking to see if it's a bargain and you see a lot of red arrows, that may indicate that the bad news may not be completely out yet, basically. So um, that's a good good little tidbit, good little area to look at. And um, if you don't want to look them up yourself on Zex.com, you can, as I said, always follow me on StockTwits or Twitter. I tweet them out in both places all during earnings season and I do videos. So you can also check out the videos that I do on earnings all-stars and you'll see the ones that for the most part have the good uh, earnings charts and earnings beats. And so you can get a little bit of an edge that way. Um, okay. So the third method he uses to look for basically opportunities are what he calls special situations or quote workouts, unquote, which is basically the arbitrage. And I'm not going to go into it today. You can go and read on the, what he says about it in the book. Um, but it used to be much more popular way that traders, I mean, there are still some people who do trade at the arbitrage, but it's just not as relevant to us here as value investors. But he did have a couple little tidbits in there in that section that I do want to cover. So um, for those of you who want to screen for what these kind of like bargain opportunities are, he says to look for stocks hitting new lows. And that would most likely go to the uh, unpopular or, you know, protracted neglect kind of category and also may go to disappointing results too, because a lot of them, you know, a lot of stocks tend to sell off on a disappointing result. They may or may not hit a new low, but they may. So that can help you screen for all of that, that kind of feature. And then he said to also look for stocks, um, and this is on the valuation side, selling for less than their net value 
of networking capital. So how you find that is you subtract the total liabilities, including preferred stock and long-term debt from the assets. And I guess he says value line and some of their issues have a feature called bargain basement stocks. I, I don't get value lines, so I'm not sure if they still have that feature or not. But if they do, looks like they're doing some of the work for you, which I like. I like screens that are like pre-made, right? Or where I can just get the data. But I don't have value lines. So I tried to recreate this, uh, these kind of tips in a screen. And so what I did was um, I actually screamed for mid cap to large caps, not only the large cap, but this was $5 billion and above. So that's pretty large, even for the mids. So the mids are going to be over the five billion. So I feel like I'm still following his, you know, look for the large company because most of those larger mid caps are going to have three, maybe four or five analysts on them, hopefully. So that'll still get us, um, you know, some eyes on it and hopefully get a, a rebound in the shares because more people are interested in it when the th the story starts to turn around. Then I looked for stocks trading at 52-week low. Now I can do this on my screen. I can get within, you know, like even a couple pennies. When I looked at all the stocks that did come up, I was um, pleasantly surprised that most are trading like right around that 52-week low, which is what I wanted. And then in order to get you know, his valuation component there. And because I don't have the bargain basement stock list, I chose a uh, price to book as my valuation. And I went a lot narrower than I normally would do. I normally would do price to book under three, which would be pretty good value, but I did under one. And so that's really going to get you some deeper value there in terms of what the company's trading at. So when I ran the screen, I did not add the Zach's rank. This is one of the few times I've not added it to some of my screens because I kind of wanted to see what was going on outside of what the earnings estimates were going to be doing. So uh, I thought that would skew it too much, especially as we were trying to get these 52-week low stocks in there. It's unlikely you're going to get like a high Zach's rank and the stock also hitting the 52-week low. So, but I was hopeful we would get at least, you know, mostly Zach's rank number threes, which are holds. Most of the stocks that we cover here at Zach's are rank threes. So there's nothing wrong with them. It's like 80% of all the stocks are the threes um, and that's fine. So without adding any Zach's rank, I got 20 stocks in this screen. That's pretty narrow. So it's hard to find, you know, deeper value trading at that 52-week low. But that's the whole point that Benjamin Graham is always trying to put out there. You're not going to have, you know, hopefully, depending on the stock market conditions, <laughs> hundreds of companies, you know, extremely undervalued. Occasionally, there have been times over the course of history when that has happened. But in a market like we have had with this nice bull rally, you're unlikely to get, you know, hundreds of names. So we got 20 though, and that wasn't too bad. And I took a look at the list. And as you might imagine, it is uh, kind of dominated by some of the areas that are the neglected <laughs> and unpopular names. So there were a decent number of, say, energy stocks in there and commodities related. So I tried to give a mix in these five stocks that I'm going to talk about now. 
out of that list of 20. And I didn't want to have like all energy names on there. You all know the energy story. I did have one energy though that I'm going to put on there because I do find it to be interesting. So um, what are these stocks? What are the ones trading at 52-week lows that are pretty cheap? And what's going on with them? So let's dive right in. The first one is Carnival. Carnival Cruises. Most of you have probably been on one. The ticker is CCL. And the problem with Carnival now is that not only was Europe... Uh, underperforming basically they're having some ish troubles in Europe but also now North America is not trending well in their last earnings report they said since June they've seen lower year-over-year booking volumes and pricing for the first half of 2020 because yeah this far in advance everybody's booking their uh, you know, Caribbean cruise for February or March, or even their summer cruises now by uh, fall of the prior year. This is when all of that goes on sale and uh, they have, you know, special deals and everything. So people are booking seven, eight, nine months out. So, but according to them, they're not booking seven, eight or nine months out right now. And that's a little unusual because the cruise bookings have been strong the last several years because as the consumer is still feeling good about their job, about the economy, the stock market is still trading near the highs. Um, so all of that is good. They will spend on things like travel and cruises have been popular, but not so much right now for Carnival. So they have cut earnings guidance and then they've narrowed it over over the last several quarters, that's the opposite of what you want to see. So this kind of goes to Graham's uh, tip on have they disappointed on earnings? Yes, they have. And what have they done in the longer track record? Well, they have been lowering it over the longer track record, at least the last year or so. So that's something to keep in mind. That's why this one's cheap. So year to date, it's down 17.8%. It has a um, PE of just 9.4 and a PEG of 0.9. It does pay a dividend, this one, which is yielding just about 5% now because these shares have come down. Market cap is $29 billion, so it is one of the big big caps. But a lot of the cruise lines are pretty cheap right here because people are getting nervous. If we're going into global recession, um, you know, this might not be an area you want to be in. So keep all that in mind when you're looking for your stocks that are bargain opportunities, as he would say, because um, this, you know, some of them may not be, even though they have some of the criteria he said to look for. So I did take a look at earnings growth. Fiscal 2019 um, expected to be up just 0.2%. Um, and then 2020, fiscal 2020, only 3% earnings growth over there. So could be a little more difficulty still here in the cruise lines. Okay, let's switch over to another area. This is Athene Holding, A-T-H. So what they do is they're a leading provider of retirement savings. And these are like the products of it, annuities and reinsurance. I know, I know it sounds so boring, right? Like, oh, retirement products. Who wants to deal with that? Annuities? No. So they have a market cap of $7 billion. And uh, so it's a little bit smaller, uh, but still within our range. It's a mid cap. 
they there are four analysts and we have four estimates covering on them. So it's not so bad on the number of analysts covering them. But I believe, let me check, like year to date, they haven't been doing much. They are down slightly year to date. I think it was down only like, yeah, down only about 5% year to date, but they are trading near that 52-week low. So really these shares haven't really done much year to date per se. No dividend yield on this one. So that's a little unusual for some of these stocks because I think everything else does have a dividend, but no dividend. And the earnings, though, look pretty good. For 2019, expected to be up 21%, and then 2020, another 12%. The stock is really cheap. It's got the PE of 5.3, and the price to book is just 0.6. And with that earnings growth, it has a peg of just 0.4. So if you're looking for one on the more boring insurance side, which we know can lead to very nice profits, actually, and good gains for a shareholder. Um, Athene Holding is the one on this list, ATH. Okay, then I'm going to switch over to the energy stock. And this one is Diamondback Energy, which I don't think has ever made any of my lists. It's one of the larger EMPs. The ticker is FANG, F-A-N-G. And oftentimes when I tweet out about FANG, people get confused and think I'm talking about FANG, the to tech stocks, but no, there actually is a company that has FANG as the ticker and it's Diamondback. And as I said, they're in the Permian, um, based in Midland. Permian has been super hot. They're one of the biggest players in the Permian. So what's going on with these shares? How are they making this list? Well, a lot of the energy stocks are being uh, rejected once again. <laughs> now that the situation in Saudi Arabia with the attack on that facility um, wasn't as bad as everyone thought, it hasn't taken off as much production as everyone thought, and the U.S. is still pumping at record levels, the price of crude has come back down and a lot of the energy shares have retreated back and they've fallen back down into, you know, near those 52-week lows. Now, this one, however, because it is one of the premier names and it's such a big player in the Permian, the shares were not that weak all year long. But I looked, and year-to-date, they're down 12.4%, but they seemingly fell off a cliff in the last month, but they did not have earnings during that time. And so that seemed odd to me given the rest of the chart so I did do some more digging, and I see that on October 1st, the president, who is also a director and COO, resigned suddenly. And the company said it was for personal reasons, so apparently nothing to do with the company, but that always spooks investors. He was only 43 years old, so that also spooked investors because it wasn't like a sudden retirement situation, which we sometimes see. So the senior vice president of operations is going to oversee all the operations for now. That's all we know. He's been with the company since 2012, so he does have some experience there. But that's probably why the shares fell off a cliff. So it could be creating some kind of opportunity here, which Benjamin Graham would say, you know, this wasn't a disappointing result so much as just an event that could create some kind of, uh, you know, cheapness in the stacks. So the PE is at 11.5, which is low for um, even for the energy here. And it has a peg of 0.4 because earnings expected to be up 19% this year and 50% in 2020. A lot of analysts believe uh, those earnings are really going to turn around. 
But um, the estimates have mostly been cut over the last 60 days. A lot of the energy estimates still coming down, especially if crude goes back under the $50 mark, which it hasn't yet. It's been mainly between $50 and $60 for most of this year. But if it does trend under that 50, you could see these estimates coming down again. But a couple analysts, very bullish in the last even just week. They've two have raised in the last week for 2019. So they're thinking maybe that some of the estimate cuts are a little overdone. Now you do get a dividend with this one, but a lot of the EMPs have never really paid much of a dividend out because you were paying to get the the quicker growth than with the big integrated companies. But this one now yielding almost 1%, which is on the high end, as I said, for many of the EMPs who normally don't pay anything. And if they do, it's pretty low. So since this shares have come down, dividend yield is up a bit. So that's Diamondback Energy. I know many of you are saying no energy and energy has been awful. Um, it is definitely in the Graham criteria of, uh, you know, neglect and unpopularity. So when will that change? I don't know, but um, this is one to keep on your list. Okay, now we're going to switch over to grocery stores. That's also not a real popular area, right? It's hard to make money in groceries. Margins are tight. And now Amazon owns Whole Foods. So that's a lot of competition there. But this one is mainly in Europe and in Latin America. So it's Carrefour. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, right? Um, C-R-R-F-Y. It's French. And I think I might have talked about it before on when I was looking at, you know, cheaper international stocks. It uh, shares are only down 2.7% year to date, but over the last three months now down 16%. So they've taken a dive here. They are trading near that 52 week low. This one trades over the counter. So it's only trading at $3.23 and because um, it's foreign, but you do get a dividend yielding 3% here. PE is at 12.1. That price to book is under one at 0.9. Uh, earnings expected to decline this year, though, because they're in this like turnaround plan, as many companies are and many value stocks tend to be. So they're trying to do as much cost savings as they can because those margins are just so difficult in groceries. And Europe... Europe's been real tough. Uh, depends on the country. They are French, so they have a big presence in France, but they're in Italy, Spain, Belgium, numerous other countries. So it all depends on what's going on in each one of those. So still very difficult in Europe, but uh, Brazil, which had been difficult, is now starting to see recovery. Their economy is starting to bounce back a little bit in Brazil. That should give uh, this company a little bit of a boost here. But um, is it cheap enough? That's the question you have to ask. Um, unclear, but again, might be one you want to keep on your list because as value investors, we don't have to be in the super glamorous areas. We just have to find the bargains and find it cheap enough where it makes sense to be buying in even something like a grocery chain that's at low margin. So um, that's something that keep in mind when you're considering these stocks. Okay, then our fifth stock is another commodities play, but not in oil. So this is one of the largest copper miners in the world, Freeport McMoran. 
um, or McMoron. I never know how to pronounce the end of that. I used to own this company many years ago, mainly for, I like the copper play, but also because it does have some gold production. So the ticker is FCX. Um, I don't own it. And I haven't owned any, any copper plays for well over a decade now, but if you are interested in copper and with a little bit of gold, this could be one that's kind of interesting. So year to date, these shares are down 17%, which is why they're trading near those lows. It does have a really high PE, just 91 times. <laughs> so the PE is not going to get you the value, but the price to book is just 0.7. So that ratio is low. Um, they have their largest mine in Indonesia. That's been an issue that they've been working out with the Indonesian government for the last couple of years. At the end of the second quarter, they had $9.9 billion in debt. They had cash, though, of $2.6 billion. So that's not so awful for a company like this. The miners, the energy are always going to have a lot of debt because it, it takes a lot of money to get commodities out of the ground, basically. So... Um, these guys, like people just don't want copper. If the global economy is going to go into recession, you know, copper usually indicates it and the copper prices have come down. People get nervous. Also, it is an industrial commodity. So if China is slowing and they're the second largest or maybe even the largest now, I haven't looked lately, but they're among the two, you know, the top two largest users of copper is an industrial um, usage, then if they're not building as much and if their economy is slowing, then copper prices will come down as well. So everybody's fled the copper miner, miners and including this one, earnings expected to be down 94% this year to only $0.09. Cents. They did make $1.52 last year. And then 2020, expecting a nice rebound back up to $0.46. Cents. That's up 407% into next year. But um, I know many of you don't want to own any miners for various reasons, including environmental and for labor issues and all of that. So I get it. I'm just putting them on here because they made the list. And, um, you know, some, some of you are interested. So that's Freeport and their ticker is FCX. Did I mention the dividend? You do get a dividend with them. 2.4% is that yield. So it's kind of an interesting mix of companies. Like I said, there are a lot of commodity plays because those are the ones that are not liked on the, the street. And we did look for those 52-week lows. Um, also because we are only searching for those big cap stocks and I wanted the cheap price to book that really narrowed our screen, but that's okay because that's what we wanted. We wanted to get, uh, things that are really being rejected and nothing says rejection more like being at the 52 week close. So keep that in mind when you're trying to screen for value and trying to follow some of these, uh, you know, pieces of advice from Benjamin Graham, which are still great to use today. So let's recap the stock tickers again. We had Carnival, CCL is the ticker there, but it's unclear whether or not the cruise uh, stocks are really at the low or if they will go lower. So something to keep in mind, actually, with all of these stocks. Then we had Athene Holding, which is the provider of retirement savings products. ATH was the ticker there. Diamondback Energy, FANG, one of the premier names in the Permian, F-A-N-G, is the ticker. And then we had Carrefour, 
which is the French grocery store chain and that it has a lot of fans. It's C-R-R-F-Y. And then we had Freeport McMoron. FCX is the ticker there. They are the copper with a little bit of gold mining play. So that is the stocks for this week. And I'm going to continue with Benjamin Graham's tips and advice because with this kind of volatile stock market conditions, I feel like now is a good time to seek out advice from these value investing masters. And he certainly is the master of all time. So um, we're going to continue looking at what he talks about in The Intelligent Investor. And always, I encourage you to read it yourself. Yeah, I know it's 600 pages, but uh, you get a lot of good value for your money if you you know just kind of take one chapter at a time, which is what I do. So be sure to um, pick up the book. And if you don't want to read it, you can check out some of the podcasts here on the Value Investor Podcast. We've done maybe three or four now with some tips from Benjamin Graham in uh, just 2019 alone. So be sure to listen in on some of those older episodes and also be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the new ones that are going to come in with even more tips. But you can get us on a lot of different platforms now. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts with our own standalone show under the Value Investor Podcast. And you can also get us on SoundCloud, as I say every week, two for one over there on the Zach's Market Edge name. So you have to search for Zach's Market Edge and you'll get us over there. But be sure to subscribe somewhere out there in podcast land to get us every week because next week I'll be back with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.